You know, I like how I'm off the show for literally one week. And the second I leave the show, the Steelers actually start winning football games. <sighs> it's quite demoralizing. Week 12 of the NFL season has concluded, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, you heard me right. The Pittsburgh Steelers won a football game this past week, 24-17, to despite the ineptitude of Matt Canada and the absolutely abysmal nature of every aspect of our team. The Steelers managed to defeat the Indianapolis Colts, who somehow are worse on every level of football than we are, except special teams. We'll get into that in a second. Zach and I are going to break down uh, what happened in the game, what we saw, what we liked, what we didn't like. We're going to move from there into our regular stock rising and stock fallings for the week. And we'll finish off with Zach's hot take. So we're right back to standard run-of-the-mill episodes this week, ladies and gentlemen, as we move into the thick of the second half of the NFL season. It's December football, ladies and gentlemen. That's when football is at its finest. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Two Steelers fans in a pro football world. I am Zach. And I am Dill. And we are here to bring you all of the news from the NFL, USFL, and XFL from a Pittsburgh Steelers fan's perspective. Uh, but first, I would like to say, Dill, welcome back to the podcast after your little hiatus there. Yeah, all I had to do was pay you $7,000 and I don't know, send you a pigeon or whatever it was. A turtle dove, maybe. It's Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, also, uh, also, I would money, like to take for the Ravens. In I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was rambling. <laughs> no, nah, you're good. Uh, also, I would like to say uh, welcome back to all of the viewers. Yes, we did take a uh, you know little hiatus from last week because of Thanksgiving. So we hope you all had a great holiday season. Well, Thanksgiving holiday season. The next holiday season is coming up. That's the big one. Yeah, and you can oh, take it you, however you want. If you thought we meant Christmas, no, we meant you know December football. Uh, more specifically, we meant Christmas Eve, December 24th, because that's the 50-year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which, exactly. of course, that's, is the greatest holiday. That That's the only holiday I'm looking forward to this year. But anywho. I, like I like to imagine that you sleep with, like, a portrait of Frank. I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but, like, just a portrait of Franco Harris making that catch, like, above your bed. I, I Like, I know you don't, but part of me wishes that you did. Because no, really actually, funny. I dream. I, I I don't because I don't have one of those portraits yet. But I dream about eventually getting one. Okay. See now, I'm, now I'm thinking that like literally in your dreams, you're thinking of like going to steal a storm. But whatever, I'm getting off the rails. All right, let's get into the game. Yeah. So, anyways, game started out uh, honestly really well. Um, we drove down the field well, ended in a field goal, um, which it, you know it happens all the time. We have great drives, and then it ends in a freaking field goal. It's very frustrating, but at least we're seeing some good drives every once in a while, which isn't a bad thing. Um, end in a field goal, then immediately pick off Matt Ryan, basically immediately in two plays, we uh, get an interception off Matt Ryan, uh, go down, and we would eventually turn no points out of that. Actually, our first five drives, I believe, would end in – Indianapolis territory whether that was a punt or a field goal or another field goal or a touchdown um which you know I'd say is impressive on both the offense and defensive side that we're we were constantly ending in the uh Indianapolis territory uh ended the first half 16 to 3 and we were like wow this might actually be like a you know kind of a blowout game 
Uh, we were mistaken. Uh, immediately starting the second half, they run for 89 yards off the kickoff return. And then just a few short plays later, they end with the touchdown. And then in typical Steelers fashion, first drive of the second half, three and out, you know. It's tradition. It's like turkey on Thanksgiving. You can't have uh, second half football without the Steelers going three and out on their first drive. So that happens. Indianapolis goes down. They score again. uh, And they are now in the lead. I think they kicked a field goal. No, they scored a touchdown. Did they? Yeah, they scored two touchdowns starting out the second half, I believe. Oh, no, 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 no. No, I think that was the one that they uh, fumbled at the goal line. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor fumbled too, which is not – that's not a common occurrence. No, 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 no. We got lucky. Although I, th- I feel like it was also partially a bad – I don't really know. I've watched that replay a couple of times. I don't know what happened there. I don't know yeah. if, like, Matt Ryan just took his eyes off the handoff a little too early or Taylor didn't wasn't paying enough attention to getting the handoff. I mean, I'll, listen, I'll take the end result, which was a Chris Wormley recovery at, like, whatever it was, the nine or the eight. But um, I'll take the end result. I just – I'm it confuses me as to how that happened. And I'm sure that every single Indianapolis fan punched a hole in their wall when that happened. Yeah. Um, that, well, you know, on the ensuing drive after they fumbled, the Steelers would punt and Presley Harvin would get ran into. It was a clear – running into the kicker penalty, but it's okay because then we ran into their kicker and they didn't call it on us. So it was even, um, he got absolutely like hammered too. Like it wasn't, uh, gee, I, putters had a rough night last night, not because their kicks were bad, just because, uh, kept getting hit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you had that, but eventually Indianapolis would take the lead. They would take a 17 to 16 lead. And towards the end of the third, the Steelers would have to go downfield and score in some way. And we actually got a touchdown, which is insane. We got a touchdown run by Benny Snell, and you don't see that every day. It should also be noted that that touchdown happened uh, at the very beginning of the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then um, the – Pass the George Pickens for the two-point conversion. Uh, so the, that was good. And then, you know, a couple more drives never really led to anything for either team. Uh, and then finally, last drive of the game, uh, Jeff Saturday just completely forgot he had timeouts. Um, yeah. I think he was a little busy filling out an application to rejoin ESPN because – I'm sorry, there's no way he's making it out of this season. Credit to him for, like, not listening to the naysayers and giving it a go anyway. Because I remember uh may have been his inaugural press conference. He said, I may be good at this job. I may be terrible at this job. But I'm I damn for sure ain't going to back down or something like that. And I think we can confirm he is terrible at this job. Yeah, but at least he tried. That's, that's facts. I wish Matt Canada would try a little bit. I also wish that. I tweeted this out yesterday i didn't even bother quoting either one of us because we were both thinking it i'm actually just going to read off the exact tweet because uh i couldn't do it a justice in just trying to say it uh you would think that if even one team said something like they like to run the same plays over and over someone inside the steelers organization would have the 1000 iq idea of mixing it up 
And yet. Bro, our quarterbacks aren't even allowed to call audibles. That's how much we want to keep doing the same thing. <sighs> I hate uh, Canada. Like, a lot. Me too. I don't, what? I, nope, not going to get into that. We've been, we've been there. We've done that. That man is the worst thing that happened to Pittsburgh since Heinz Field changed, he, like, headquarters. You're correct. Headquarters. Not Heinz Field. It's uh, <laughs> Heinz Ketchup. The worst thing that happened. What are you trying to say? Well, Heinz Field left, but they didn't. When I said change headquarters. So like, how about ketchup. the worst thing since Heinz Field changed the name? Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> yes, worst, worst thing that happened to Pittsburgh since uh, Heinz Field got renamed. I'm not going to say the name. Because it's still Heinz Field. It's just that's not what ESPN calls it anymore. Akershire or whatever it is. Agriculture Stadium. I, I like that. I think that's my favorite one. Agriculture Stadium. Yeah. Which is funny because Pittsburgh's not an agricultural town anymore. Nope. That's how we ended up with the Steelers. And speaking of the Steelers, I think the biggest highlight of the night uh, from that game was definitely Kenny Pickett. Did he have the greatest stat line? No. He, th- he was 20 for 28, through for 178 yards, no touchdowns and no interceptions. And I think the most important thing about that stat line is the no interceptions. This is now his third consecutive game without a single interception coming off of the bye week and before that throwing three picks against Miami, two of which were easily avoidable. All he had to do was basically not force the throws. Um, I think he's definitely gotten – it seems at least gotten a lot calmer, a lot more poised in the pocket. Uh, he's throwing absolute darts. Is he still missing guys? Yeah. But I mean, every quarter, I think that people have this, like people are hyper analyzing him or overanalyzing rather. And so every time he misses an open man or does anything, people way overreact. I mean, for kind of like quarterbacks, miss players all the time. I mean, the great ones like, you know, Mahomes and I'm not going to put, Allen in that category because he's not having a great year but the guys like Mahomes the guys like Joe Burrow or um uh I Jalen Hurts oh yeah Jalen Hurts that's one part of me wants to say Geno Smith but I have not watched enough film on Geno Smith to know but the point is all of the elite guys don't miss receivers in fairness as often as Pickett has but it's also his first year and I think he's playing fine. He's not he, – coming out of the bye week, he hasn't lost us any games, which I think is one of the most important stats for him right now. So definitely one of the biggest takeaways from that game is that Pickett looked really good. Uh, and, again, he didn't turn it over. His turnovers, uh, he seems to have taken care of them for the most part. I have to knock on wood really fast so that I don't uh... – Jinx him? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Um, today has just been a day for words, apparently. Mm. Um, but I think his stat line right now is something like three touchdowns to eight interceptions. Not the greatest stat line in the world, but we can live with that. So yeah. I got a bunch of games left. Well, here's one thing that I was um, I was pleasantly surprised about. We got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman that night, and finally, it was the first time we had any analyst, announcer, anything. I think like openly say. That and it was after the two point conversion, Pickett to Pickens, the connection that we've been talking about all year. Troy Aikman finally said he's like, 
if this connection continues to grow and Kenny Pickett continues to blossom into a great quarterback, the Steelers are going to be contenders for the next decade. I'm like, that's what I've been saying, man. Like, finally, we have somebody from, like, inside sports, like the inside ESPN, NFL, all that stuff. Finally, we got somebody saying Steelers are could be contenders for the next couple years or longer because of what we have right now. And I agree. Our skill position players are unstoppable when they are, you know, playing with good plays. We have good play what? calling. We're what? When they're playing, when they're playing with good plays. Yeah, when we have good play calling. Oh, okay. Yeah. You just worded that kind of funky. That's all. Yeah, I know. But Matt Canada's broken me. I. You know what? That is completely reasonable. Yeah. He can't even call good plays in my head. No, he couldn't even call the touchdown run from Benny Snell. Pickett had to go over to the sideline and do that. Which, by the way, he got a ton of praise. Some of it kind of needless, but you know, we'll take it. But he got a ton of praise from uh, the rest of the coaching staff and his teammates for for uh, coming over and doing that. Who? Wait, sorry, <laughs> that part. Pickett. He was he was the one who called the play that got Benny Snell into the end zone. Yes, sir. When your rookie quarterback is a better offensive coordinator than your offensive coordinator. Um, uh, whatever. Um, I'm That's a legitimate to... statement. I Yeah, well, in fairness, my cat could be a better offensive play caller than Matt Canada. Yeah, I, Dude, Canada said something. Like, somebody asked him if he knew that Johnson had the highest – like separation percentage or proportion or whatever in the entire league. And he's like, Oh yeah, I like, didn't know about that. That's kind of cool. I don't know if that's something that coaches usually pay attention to, but just like, I, I don't know why you would say essentially that you're not paying attention. Well, I mean, I think it's clear to say that he's not paying attention. I know, but like, why would you basically come out and say that? Like you, you said that to the, to the media, to everyone. Like you just, yeah. I, I, I don't know. That man defies logic. Uh, he's he's like he's something. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Um speaking of something, I think we should go into the preview for next week's game against Atlanta. So yeah, next week we go I think we go into Atlanta next week. Yeah. We're gonna take on the Falcons who are starting Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Um Frankly, that alone should be enough to get the W, but this is the Steelers we're talking about, so yeah, <laughs> who knows? Um, Atlanta is four and s- four and seven. So they are four and seven. Yeah, so they're just coming off. No, of no, 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 no. They're they're uh, they're five and seven. Oh, five and seven. Well, in any case, they're coming fresh off a loss against the Washington Commanders, who unveiled one of the most pathetic statues of anyone I have ever seen anywhere. I mean, for crying out loud, they threw chicken wire together and called it a statue of Sean Taylor, which is something. But, um, yeah, coming off a 1913 loss to the Commanders, uh, Atlanta is a bit of an enigma because despite being 5-7 and seven and looking like one of the worst teams in football, they're only one game out of 
or I guess it would be two. They're only two games out of their division lead. No, they're a half game out. Aren't they? Tampa Bay is five and six. Well, oh, you're right. How about that? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I just can't read, apparently. Um, But regardless, Atlanta's really close to taking the division title if they really wanted it. Um, Having said that, they're not a good football team, and that's just a fact. Yeah. The only player I can name off of Atlanta outside of Marcus Mariota is Kyle Pitts, and he has been less than productive this year, at least from what I'm reading. On injured reserve, he will not be playing. Oh, he's on IR? Yeah. Wow. That is unfortunate for Atlanta. They do have Cordero Patterson, who we do likely have to worry about. Um, Other than that, I don't really think... I mean, if if you can play Cordero Patterson like you played Jonathan Taylor, then I think we'll be fine, personally, but... That's fair. Um, I don't think Jonathan Taylor had over 100 yards against us. How much did he... Now I'm curious. How much did he have? He had... How many yards? I know he had a decent amount of points because he had a touchdown. Yeah, he had points. You you know that I'm just opening the fantasy act to see how many uh, yards he had. He had 86 yards and he had a touchdown. Um, so yeah. relatively contained for Taylor. Um, so I think – and Cordell Patterson's no Jonathan Taylor. And mm-hmm. re- frankly, no one's Jonathan Taylor. And the closest I can think of off the top of my head is Nick Chubb. And even that – Derrick Henry. Um, well, oh my gosh. Derrick Henry's just on his own. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot about Derrick Henry. I have his jersey sitting in my cl- – I don't know. Whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think that – Lamar Jackson's a skinnier Jonathan Taylor that can throw the ball. Okay. <laughs> the absolute – dude, Lamar Jackson absolutely lit someone up on Twitter. I saw that. That was so funny. And I guess he said – okay, never mind. I'm not going to say that. Um, but he was – he was not a happy – I mean, I personally found it like just this – I mean, I didn't see the tweet itself because i think he deleted it because he got backlash for it so i don't even know what he said i just know that he said like he was very very mad at some random fan i think and I'm, oh he was he was cussing them out i, I saw oh was he oh is that well no way was that his tweet yeah i thought that was another fan <laughs> Mm-mm. i see yeah oh that's a so- because it's a family-friendly podcast, we're not allowed to say it on here. But we, we said, said any said that he was wants, a... if anybody wants to go see what he said, it's on, it's on the internet. I, I actually I, – because I don't think I read the full tweet. I read, like, the first part of it and then just assumed that it was some, like, drunk – man, I know I'm slandering Lamar Jackson. But – um. Dude, at this point, everybody's slandering Lamar Jackson. And, you know, I, I feel a little bad because he's not he's, – he's not a bad guy. No. He, from everything I've seen, the his biggest flaw is that he plays for Baltimore. Yeah. I, I've, I mean, I've said it since day one. I, if Lamar Jackson got a ring, I would not be upset. The problem is he's on Baltimore. So yeah, that's a real beehive in your well water, to quote Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna quote anyone, I'm I'm very glad you understood that reference. By the way, like that, my respect for you just grew drastically. Anyway, we got way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to the Atlanta game, honestly, I think if Watt and Highsmith can get a consistent pressure on Mariota, which I don't see why they can't, because Atlanta's 
offensive line is one of the worst ones in the league, if I remember correctly. Uh, they should be fine. I'm not too worried about it. I mean, I'm not too worried about Atlanta in general. I'm just a little worried about our offense's ability to put the game away. Yeah, I'd agree. Because the thing is, is um, like this past game, what it was 19 to 13, that's I think the lowest point total that uh, Atlanta has had all year. Their offensive line is terrible, but they somehow have been able to make some really good plays out of their skill position players just in general. It, it hasn't always turned into wins. Obviously, they're still 5-7 and seven with a losing record, but they still have been able to make some pretty good plays. So I'd say the thing that I'm worried most about is that our offense will be able to keep up. Like, I think our defense is going to hold them better than most teams. But let's be real here. Our offense, as I mean, they've looked more efficient recently, but they're still not amazing because of who we have calling the plays. So that that's where I'm a little bit worried. Kind of like what you said earlier about like our ability to put the game away. It's just, you know, some of the things that their skill position players can do is what worries me. Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, I mean, I trust, I trust Mika and I trust Watt to pretty much hold him in check. Mm-hmm. If Kenny repeats the success that he had last night, I think we'll be fine. Um, again, though, I just, I worry about the play calling because, well, you know why it's because it's Matt Canada. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, if he even calls games like slightly competently, like if he plays the game not to basically if he calls the game not to lose, then we'll win. Yeah. Um, at least that's my estimation. Um having said that, I will throw out because I think this about rounds out our preview of next week's game. I'm gonna throw this out there because we have a decently easy stretch of games coming up. We have Atlanta, we have the Ravens, we have Carolina, we have Vegas, we have the Ravens again. Uh, then we have Cleveland. Am I missing anyone? I don't think so. But I'm going to check to make absolutely certain. Let's see. We just beat Indianapolis. Yeah, Atlanta, Baltimore, Carolina, Vegas, Baltimore, Cleveland. Yeah, so uh, Falcons, Ravens, Panthers, Vegas, Ravens, Browns. The Ravens, you know, I mean, it's first of all, anytime Steelers play the Ravens, it's you throw out the records because that's just the kind of rivalry that it is. Facts. The Falcons are bad. The Panthers are bad. The Raiders are bad. The Browns is the Browns. So I just they have the same record as us. So people can't say that they're good. Yeah. Um. So I just I wonder, you know, all of these I would say are winnable games. Again, Baltimore just solely because it's that kind of rivalry. Mm-hmm. So I just I wonder how many games would you want the Steelers to win? Because I feel like at a certain point you have to sit there and think to yourself like, okay, winning games feels nice now but really kind of screws us for the future because a big part of um, building, building the team is, is in draft capital. And if we win a bunch of games, all of a sudden you're out of a top pick. And I mean, I personally, especially because I feel like if we win enough games, Matt Canada will stay. I would rather lose games that we should win, get one of the top picks and get Matt Canada fired and just basically completely reset the system going into next season. Cause I mean, even at this point, if by some miracle from God himself, we managed to get into the playoffs, I mean, 
we're not going to beat anybody. So like this, yeah. this, this season's a dead season already. And that's not, I'm not trying to knock anyone that's on the team. I understand that like you play to win every game, but also like at some point you have to start thinking about what comes next, because I feel like, again, this season's pretty much lost in my estimation anyway. Um, but what do you think? I feel like I've been rambling for a little bit. Um, I would, I would agree to an extent. The thing is though, is I don't want us the cough games because winning these games can give our really young team a lot of confidence. And I, I want them to keep building that connection, keep getting into the end zone, keep working to make these plays work. Um, because think about it, like say, like even if we do, or hope, I'm going to say when just to hopefully bring it upon when we fire Matt Canada, hopefully we'll hire somebody who's better, but they're still going to call bad plays. So being able to make stuff out of bad plays is still a good skill to have. Um, I just, I want to see our team lose because of something that's not, how am I trying to put it? I don't know. Lose because of like circumstances that don't necessarily reflect the talent of who we have. Exactly. Like I don't I don't want them to look at a loss and think that, you know, they're they're never gonna get any better or something, you know? Like I want them to to or I don't want them to blame like somebody entirely. Like um we're all gonna blame Matt Canada, but I, I like that a lot of the players aren't openly blaming him or at least trying to find stuff that's wrong with their game. And I think that's smarter. Yeah. Um, and it's going to help for a lot more growth, but I, I just, I don't want them to be overcritical of themselves as well and think, you know, well, I'm, I'm the reason that we're losing. And cause then you're going to go in the next season, hopefully with like more draft capital, uh, different offensive coordinator, and you're going to still think that it's, it's your fault and that's going to affect your play. That's also I'm, true. I'm legitimately worried that if we lose some of these very winnable games, it's going to be a big self-esteem problem, which look, I, a lot of people don't think of as being a problem, but it really can be when you have a majority of your team being, you know, first, second, and third year players. Yeah. Um, that's fair. That is fair. I've heard it said, I think this was a saying in Baltimore a while ago, where it's like, you're not truly a Raven until you beat Pittsburgh. And I think that uh, Steelers are the same way. You're not truly a Steeler until you beat Baltimore. So, yeah, and that's, you know what? I'll I'll say it so many times. There's very different relationships that I personally have, and I've seen this throughout Pittsburgh, with different teams. In the AFC North. The Browns, they're like the little brother. I strongly dislike the Browns. Um, I'd say I hate them like a little bit more recently just because of, you know, Miles Garrett. They're just annoying. Like the Browns. Exactly. Like they're just a nuisance. Like they're literally like the annoying little brother that you Yeah, they're your little brother who thinks he's better than you at everything. But in actuality, you, you could absolutely demolish them. Yeah. If you wanted to. Um, the, the Bengals, the team never really annoyed me. Um, I don't think there's really been a huge rivalry between either of us, except for like, there was a little bit of time where we were both going into the playoffs. 
but the thing that ticks me off about the Bengals are the fans because the fans think they're the best thing since sliced bread. And as a baker, I can confidently tell you that that's not true. I hate that. Yeah. Um, but the Ravens, I want us to win every time. It's one of the most intense rivalries in sports. I'll say I hate the Ravens and I want them to lose all the time. But I respect that franchise. Because they have delivered some of the best football games against the Steelers more than any other team in the NFL. So I respect how much heart and soul they put into that rivalry, how much heart and soul we we put into that rivalry, which is why I'll always say that's that's why it's always a hard-fought game. With the Browns and the Bengals, neither team is respected by me. I'm going to be honest. Um, they they don't deserve any respect after what they've done to the sport of football. They made it terrible for an entire state. So, I mean, granted, Ohio doesn't really deserve good football anyway, but just taking shots at all of Ohio. Yeah, I mean, Ohio has good football. They have Ohio State. Uh, yeah, that's fair. They they only get good college football though. Well. I don't know. You might want to reconsider after watching their game against Michigan. Anyway, <laughs> I think that about concludes our preview of next week's game against the Falcons. We got a hair carried away, but it's fine. Hey, we previewed the rest of the season. So. That is true. We did do that. Um, so now I think it's about time we move into our regular stock rising and stock fallings for the week. As per usual, we will start with our stock rising. And those teams are as follows. We have the Jets, the Jaguars, and the Las Vegas Raiders. A bit hard to pick a standout. Um, The Jets put up 31 points on Chicago, but it's Chicago. Um, The Jags beat the Ravens. Probably a fluke game, but it was still just absolutely hilarious. And then the Raiders beat up on Seattle. A good Seattle team, because, again, Seattle's no pushover. Um, But I think the real standout isn't necessarily a team. It's one man. And that man is Mike White. Mike yeah. White, who is like, he was what, the third string quarterback for the Jets for the longest time. He is now their starter in place of the benched Zach Wilson. And Mike White absolutely tore up. He shredded the Bears. And, and he also, while he was at it, shredded any chance of Zach Wilson getting a starting gig with the Jets ever. I, mean, for, I don't think that franchise cares if they have to draft another quarterback. Mike White will be starting. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I don't think it was really entirely because of Zach Wilson's play, entirely because of, you know, what was going on on offense. It all comes down to when a reporter asked Zach Wilson about only scoring three points against the Patriots and saying, Did you think that you disappointed your defense at all or, you know, held them back? Or basically asked if this game was, you know, a loss because of the offense. And he was like, no, I don't think so. It's like, dude, your defense held them to three points. And all you could do was score three points and throw nine completions and punt ten times. Yeah, He spent too much time delving into other people's mothers. He didn't spend enough time delving into the Jets playbook. Exactly. I mean, the, the yeah, that, and that's, that's that's another. Will get me canceled one day, <laughs> one day, but hopefully not today. 
Not this day. <laughs> uh, no, but honestly, I think a big reason was, yes, he wasn't playing well, but he also wasn't, you know, being the professional athlete that he should have been. He wasn't playing or acting to a professional level. Um, and it goes back to what we've said before in this podcast, that locker room management is a big part of being an NFL coach and, you know, being in the NFL that a lot of people don't think about, but it really can affect game. And I think that's what we just saw with the Jets is they effectively managed their locker room and it worked. Yep. Also, it's probably just good for Zach Wilson's humility, I would say. Yeah. Um, but with that, I think that's enough about the Jets for this week. We're going to move into our stock falling teams, which go as follows the Baltimore Ravens, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Tennessee Titans. Starting with the Baltimore Ravens, you lost to the Jaguars, and honestly, their offense just something's just wrong. I don't couldn't really tell you what it is, but some 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 may write about this. Uh, Lamar Jackson's not having the time of his life, and their offense just in general looks dis uh, what's the word disgruntled maybe yeah that's a good word like it's just it's like they're they're not firing on all cylinders the Arizona Cardinals you outchoked the Chargers and do you know how hard it is to outchoke the Chargers the only team that could even come close or at least I thought the only team that could come close was Atlanta and that's just because they still have the greatest choke in NFL history so yeah, good job with that one, Arizona. That's the common theme of this week is that like these offenses just aren't – they're just not there. Some, something's just off in general. And the final stock-falling team for the week is the Tennessee Titans. Coming off of two wins against Denver and Green Bay, the question might be, well, you know, why put them on the stock-falling list? And the reason is they can't seem to beat playoff-caliber teams. They just lost to the Cincinnati Bengals by four points. They lost to the Chiefs before, also by four points. And you might say, oh, well, those were close games. That proves that they can, you know, stay with the best teams in football. That's that's possible. Uh, putting aside the fact that they lost by however much this is. I can't do math. What the heck is 41 minus 7? By 30, 34 points. They got blown out by 34 points against the Bills. Those are really the only three playoff caliber teams they've played this entire year. And they lost all three games. So what I I don't know what the issue is in Tennessee, but cuz listen, they're going to win their division. I don't think it's hard to win the AFC South. The AFC South is just absolutely it's horrific. Whoever decided to put the Jags and the Texans in the same division has a very, very sick sense of humor. Um, so Tennessee's going to win that division. They're going to be in the playoffs. And I guess the big question is, are they going to win a playoff game? Are they capable of winning a playoff game? I don't know. That's the issue with Tennessee right now. Is that like They can beat the bad teams, sure, but you don't play bad teams in the playoffs. You only play the good teams, and those are the teams that they keep losing to. So... I guess maybe it's not so much the regular season stock that's falling as much as their playoff stock. Um, we'll see how they do against Philadelphia. That's going to be that's going to be a game and a half. Um, and it should be a good game too. But I think that's 
something that you just need to watch for Tennessee is how they play against teams that actually boast like winning records and competent offenses and defenses and all that junk. Agreed. But yeah, I I got nothing to add on that. I think um, I th- yeah, Titans are definitely going to win the South. That's pretty much a given. But I I look, their best chance at winning a playoff game is the fact that they might have to play a wild card, or they're they're going to have to play a wild card team. So that could be a little bit easier for them. But other than that, you, they're not going to the Super Bowl if this is how you're playing against. Uh, like caliber or top caliber team. Yeah. And presumably one of those wild card teams would probably come out of the AFC East. I yeah. think that's yeah. Right now in the, in the East it's. Buffalo who, is number one in the wild card actually, because Miami's leading. Yeah. Miami's leading the division. Buffalo's the first wild card. Oh, are the Jets the other wild card? Cause I know Cincinnati's one. I think it is the Jets right now. Uh yeah, it's the Jets. Yeah, so the Jets are the other wild card. So they, I mean, the AFC East. I I personally think that Tennessee is not beating anyone from the AFC East. Uh, yeah, playoffs, especially not Mike White. I know no one's beating Mike White. Mike White's gonna go win a suit. He's gonna be the best Jets quarterback since Joe freaking fracking Namath. Facts. <sighs> That's a bit of a spicy take. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and since we're on the subject of spicy takes, Zach, you have quite the spicy take this week, if I recall. I do. You saved one up for me because last week uh, I wasn't here to hear it, although I did listen to the podcast episode last week. Yes. Um, yes, yeah, so I do have a hot take this week. Um, my hot take with uh, football this time around is that the USA is going to win the World Cup I'm just kidding because that's not football. That's soccer. And until we lose in the World Cup, no one's allowed to say otherwise. Exactly. I'm I'm making I had to make sure that I got that in there. I hope England is crying right now because I'm also crying at how poorly executed that joke was. But we're not cutting it out because it's still true. Exactly. It doesn't matter how well executed the joke was at all. It just matters that it's soccer. Matter of fact, it's not even a joke. It's just a fact. Exactly. It's a statement. It's a statement of pure, pure fact. Anywho's, uh, no, the actual hot take this week doesn't really have to do with next week. Just kind of has to do with the rest of the season. Uh, two games that we have coming up in the rest of the season. I think that the Steelers and the Ravens are going to split. And to some people, this might not be a hot take. This might just be you know, what everybody's thinking. But I know to a majority of the NFL, that is a hot take because the Ravens are playing well. But it's just like what we talked about earlier. So the Ravens and the Steelers have, right now, I'd say the best rivalry in football. Now, some people say that's the... uh, This could also be my hot take because some people say that's the Bears and the Packers. And I'm like, yo, just because it's the oldest rivalry doesn't mean it's the best okay they haven't been rivals legitimately since like 1982 or something okay the the bears and the packers the the bears have been owned by the packers for a while it's it's just what what happened 
Um, Steelers and Ravens, neither team has owned each other within the last two decades. It's been very, very even. One of the most even matchups in football, despite our like either one of our records. And that's what is amazing about Steelers versus Ravens football. Um, I think that most accurately, we will lose the first game we play against the Ravens, and we will win the second. Um, yeah, I, I think that's our most likely to happen. Um, and then if we want to get a little bit hotter with this hot take, that could realistically be our only loss for the rest of the season. That is spicy. Yeah, that's that's the hot take. Um, we brought it up a little bit earlier. How much do you really want that to happen with, you know, draft capital, with, um, you know, getting Matt Canada fired? We don't know. But in reality, Atlanta's an easy game to win if we play well. Carolina, they, they've been playing better since they lost Christian McCaffrey, which, you know, doesn't really make sense. Um, and they put Sam Darnold in and somehow won a game. So we're like, man, everything's going upside down in Carolina right now. But, you know, it's still a winnable game. Um, Ravens, we went over. Uh, Raiders, look, if we lose that game, then you've just disrespected everything that Franco Harris ever did for you. So we better win that game. Plus, the Raiders suck. And then the Browns, and the Browns is the Browns. And I don't think I'm missing anyone. But I think all of those games are winnable, and except, you know, most likely one Ravens game. So that's what I'm going to say. And if that's all true, that is a, another winning record for Mike Tomlin. So we'll see if it's true. Uh, we'll see if we want it to be true. Uh, but we, we will catch you guys for the rest of the season, keep you guys updated on everything. Uh, but that is it for today's podcast. And uh, we are going to end today's podcast the way that Steelers fans end every day. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go.